Welcome to Windsor Watch with me, Sarah Southern. And yet again, I'm joined by the utterly delightful Elliot Granger. Well, good morning. Hello. And I'm joined by, well, yeah, he's here again, I guess, James Clothier. Good morning. How are we both? I think we're doing quite well, actually. Yeah? Yes, thank yeah, you. Good. The sun is finally out. The, it is a sunny day here in London. It's so scorching we're next week, you know. Filled with royal joy and sunshine. Um, There's been a lot going on. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have been scrolling through the socials, addicted to the uh, old YouTube channels of the. Well, not sliding into anyone's DMs. Always sliding into DMs, Elliot. Always sliding into DMs. Slippery DMs. Slippery DMs, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but I've been a little bit obsessed with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge because during lockdown of the old COVIDs, the Duchess of Cornwall, along with the National Portrait Gallery, of which she is the patron have done this project called Hold Still, and the book is going to be coming out. Another book. Another royal two book. Two weeks, two books. <laughs> two weeks, two books. They're exactly. starting their own library. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, she's been speaking to some of the people who are in these amazing photographs that oh, were taken. Yes. So uh, that's been a joy of the week. And also in launching their new YouTube channel as well. I think it's yeah. all part of it, isn't With it? some hilarious outtakes. But yeah, no, the, the, <laughs> the particularly lovely... Uh, photograph story behind them. She was saying she got tens of thousands of entrants and had to whittle it down to a hundred. And one of them, which she's using to uh, promote it, is this little girl, I can't remember how old she is, but like tiny four or something, who had leukaemia and then had to isolate with her mum uh, while the dad carried on working, I think, uh, and lived uh, you know, down the street or something. And Kate spoke to her while she was isolating with the mum. And there's this lovely exchange oh, where so she sweet. says where the kid's very sweet and says, good morning, your Royal Highness. And they talk about how brave she was. It's really tear-jerky. And this desperately cute moment where the Mila says, um, do, you, do you have a princess outfit? Or are you wearing oh, a princess outfit it. right now? And Kate's all like, well, not, I'm not wearing it right now. But I, <laughs> I do have some princess outfits. And she goes into the wonderful thing about what's your favourite colour. And it's like that sort of real sort of mum-to-child chat. is just heartwarming. She, and what is a heartbreaking story? Yeah, yeah. She's very, it's, it shows her natural warmth. It really does. She's very good with children of that age, obviously having two or three of them herself. Uh, and it, was, it showed her looking really good. Sounding really good. good Yet her. again, it's another example of why she is going to be the greatest consort ever yes. in the future. Because she's just got that ability to make people feel warm and special. It's a Dianesque human touch, absolutely, isn't it? She's got it. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, well, that's been warming my heart. And I don't know whether that book is actually out or we've got to isn't wait for it to arrive. I imagine, isn't it part of an exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery? No, so, because that is currently closed for renovation. I, but, and that's, oh, so I was wondering so if it's, it's been on billboards. the reopening. It's been on billboards well, around... That one. Yeah, have you heard about, about the treasure hunt she did as well? Oh, that was she? sweet. Yeah, yeah she, so she worked with this charity that and then they, they, gives they, away books. Exactly, and they, she... They, she Someone <laughs> put, put, put gift-wrapped copies of the novel all over the countryside, uh, all over the country rather, not the countryside, that'd be a bit weird, they get lit by badges. But, but so, so you had to go find a book and, oh, hooray, I've got the book. Oh, so yeah, that's rather nice. You should, you know, have a look down your sofa, one might be there. But um, yeah, so that's cute. No, cute story, nice inventive nice. way. Warm- we should find out and post it on the socials. Well, quite. Mm. Warms my heart, no end. Uh, but she, of course, is not the only royal we've seen this week as 
yet again, we have seen the Duke and Duchess of Sussex at Vax Live. I feel as though we've talked about Vax Live for the past six months. Vex Live, more like. <laughs> it is very vexing. <laughs> they and very, they've had a very vexatious... A very powerful PR and promotion, and it's everywhere. Well, yeah. Because we talked about it ahead of the event, <laughs> then we talked about when we know that it had been filmed, and then it was broadcast last week, which we then saw the extra bit where Megan did a piece to camera that was obviously then broadcast at the event. Now, wh- this was the bit where she spoke to camera about spoke to camera about how it's important that people should uh, donate money as well as share the vaccines. And while she did this kind of slight boohooing thing, which we agree with, I think it's a very good thing that people should share the vaccine. Lives should be saved. But is it quite the right look to ask people to dip their hands into their pockets while you're wearing twenty five thousand pounds worth of bling? But aren't they Cartier matching? Bri- so isn't there some sort of um, charitable matching going on? So you know. There was for oh, a period of time they would match the donations. Yeah. To me, it doesn't actually bother me that Megan's wearing. She looks fab. It doesn't bother me she was wearing and the loads bump, of blue. She's cradling the bump. Yeah. Which is rather nice. But I don't think it matters that she had loads of expensive clothes or jewelry on. Nobody ever says that about a man in the suit that he's wearing when he's talking about raising money. So that doesn't bother me. Shamed there. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just be aware. Well, that's an interesting point. I don't know whether. It, yeah. Is it true? I think I've seen lots of footballers asking for money, and someone points out the, how they're wearing a twenty-five thousand pound watch or something. But also, some of the bling that she was wearing was inherited, as in Diana's it, watch. Diana's watch, exactly. Yeah. But the thing that sat slightly uncomfortable with me is obviously the royal family is meant to be apolitical. The politics. And, and it is a slight political shift because mm. there has already been. A, a, a strong statement from many governments that any excess um, uh, inoculations, what they call vaccines, mm. will be donated to countries that need them. And the fact the British government worked with biotech, <coughs> AstraZeneca, no, sorry, biotech, Pfizer, with, with AstraZeneca to make sure that the cost of the vaccine was so low so that it could be distributed easily. And then, I don't know, it just See, sounds slightly uncomfortable with me. The, the politics of it, I don't quite get. I, I, I get the point of the, the, the event. I get the point they want people to donate. I get the point of how it all fits with Gavi and providing vaccines for everybody. And there is a need for, for, mem- for countries to provide more vaccines. But the countries she is berating in this video are also the ones who are pumping billions of dollars into providing those vaccines. Um, so it, it, I see where the politics comes from because they're saying the rich countries are getting it first. But, but also, if you look at the statistics over the last 12 months... It is They're countries the like the UK, like the US. It was only really in kind of what our second wave, I guess, that India really began to be hit badly. I think Brazil, perhaps in the US, a second wave. So I guess it's just kind of the way it has worked out. Um, but it's not also not like it's. What I'm trying to say, it's not like they're not doing anything. So it's quite a, yeah. di- a, a, a very fine political line that she's treading. Absolutely. I think it's probably it's a vote winner. Yeah, it's it's probably not aimed at us so much as America in that. The most recent data shows that South America is getting it massively at the moment. Uruguay, Peru, mm. Bolivia, Brazil, particularly. I mean, the death toll there is, you know, it's cutting a swathe through it. Which, of course, if you're in North America and you're California and you're talking about what's going on in South America, it's a lot more political than it is UK. I mean, it's, we're sort of, the UK has been asked to give it to India, Africa maybe. But I think for Megan in California, it's... The nuance is something that we might not get. That so is very well true. Here. The context in which she's speaking, I think that the the chairman of Pfizer did come out the next day, kind of saying, "Hang on a second, we can't just give all of these things away." Is that will impact well, on the ask... money that we've spent on yeah. developing this drug? And so that's the thing: it's a co- pharmaceuticals is 
a bizarre and complex business model anyway. It's inc- incredibly linked to national healthcare and public health. And what I think is coming out from this is that she's really showing where her frustrations were when she felt silenced in the royal family. Because this kind of thing, she could not come out and say, and now she can. Mm. But this is it's almost the other end of the scale of, of highly political, whereas beforehand she probably was getting really frustrated that these were the kind of things she wanted to get up and bang her soap, bang, bang her soapbox, but that's not the right saying. Such a relief that she's finally been allowed to now speak. She's, uh, she's free to speak. She's free. Well, she's not being silenced anymore. Speaking of soapboxes, <laughs> I, where is this I did go? spy this morning that Procter & Gamble Brilliant. have now become a big sponsor of the Archwell <clears throat> Foundation. And it's quite interesting because Procter & Gamble is the company Company that Megan wrote a letter to as a teenager complaining about their TV adverts. Mm. Oh, swings around about. Swings around all comes back. So it's just interesting to see how they're willing to like match up and link in. Well, and also do different things. I mean, talking about vaccinations, now she's saying that her deal with Procter & Gamble is all about giving a voice to adolescent girls. So she's standing up for South Americans who are being wiped out by COVID. She's standing up for adolescent girls everywhere. You know, the book all about a relationship between a soldier father and his son. Uh, so yeah, she, she, I mean, it is a sort of portfolio uh, ethical foundation. Beginning to, it's beginning to come clear where she's going. Was exactly, what she that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we now we now know where she's going. How does the sponsorship work? That's the thing that I still can't quite get my I'm head much around. the same way as the Netflix thing, I suppose. They oh, get money and they true. say, oh yeah, this lot are doing good things. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's not unusual for big corporations to sponsor... No, and I actually thought about it. If they are going to do that, the, the, the Teenage Girls campaign, then that makes sense. That, that all mm. fits quite nicely. And I think, oh, yeah, OK. Yeah, well, I'm intrigued, just... I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Like, I think with Meghan and Harry, kind of each month, in fact... Each, each week. week. <laughs> we learn a new income stream. Yes. And we can reflect on it. Oh, so they're taking money from them now. Interesting. Uh, they're, they're obviously learning from Oprah. Well... Yeah, oh, but then, hang on, isn't... Um, Oprah and Harry launching a new on TV Apple Plus. show on Apple Plus. Um, yeah. The me you can't see. The me you can't see. The me you can't oh, see. Oh, so it's a mental health program. I'm guessing. We should probably look into this a little bit more. <laughs> We've all read the headlines. <laughs> Harry's doing more with it. Harry's talking about his mental health well, again. Uh, you know, Good on him. It's, and again, that's that's in with the brand that he's building around the work that he does. And if you think about the mental health elements, the thing about disinformation, misinformation, and online abuse and all that kind of stuff, it all fit, it's very clear now where they're going and what their brands are beginning to look like. Yeah, I was reading a thing the other day saying that loads more companies are now having chief impact officers. Really? Yeah. Has he started a trend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the US and the UK. Well, I'm pleased he's a trendsetter. And you know what? I I really hope they do carve out a path that makes them happy. As celebrities. But but that's fine. If they have the impact that they want to have, then good. True. And they can do some good. I think anything I did read this week, uh, very interesting, about when... You know, we've talked about this before, uh, the Diana statue that's being unveiled in Kensington... Uh, in July. Did you read that Harry and William are now going to give separate speeches? I know, if, but... if Harry's going to come, which is still in some doubt, because he'll have a tiny baby, so he might not want to leave the tiny baby for a little while. But if he does come, William will admire the statue and then Harry will admire the statue separately. If that happens, my heart will break into a thousand pieces. It's kind of sad, isn't it? That is sad. That they can't give a joint appreciative statement about what their mum meant mother, to them. Their mother, yeah. About their mum, yeah. I think we should, in some ways, take stories like that with a massive chunk of salts because we don't know them to 100% be true. True. And until we know for sure. And I guess it is um, slightly challenging for Harry in that their next baby will arrive 
May. Soon. soon. Oh, yeah, not May. Maybe this month or next. Yeah, soon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's see what happens. But I, I am I'm intrigued to see how that event will go at the beginning of July to commemorate the 60th birthday of Diana, Princess of Wales. How will it be? Can the public go? Will we be able to go and touch the statue? Well, by then, we should be allowed to go out and, you know, well, let's stand, yeah. stand together in a socially distanced but larger crowd than six. Well, let's just hope we can cuddle a statue because that would be quite fun. <laughs> uh, well, as I say, Meghan and Harry, yet again, you know, carving their own path. We wish them luck and no doubt they will provide more content on next week's <laughs> podcast. Uh, so this week we saw Ramadan come to an end and the Prince of Wales spoke to the Muslim community wishing them a happy Eid. And I thought it was very interesting how he noted that um, this year he said that a lot of families would be missing somebody from the table. As he said, as many of us are, which I just thought was a nice little kind of respectful nod to his father. It's a, it's a respectful nod to his father. It's also a respectful nod to how much COVID has affected a lot of the Muslim mm-hmm. populations of our more urban yeah, that's very um, true. Yeah. sort of communities. So I think it's very well observed. It's very poignant. And it's a classic way he approaches actually other faiths. Mm-hmm. Well, I, he has said many times that he wants to be the defender of the faiths rather than... No, I've said that wrong. No, defender, defender of, of faith. The, the faith. No, no, the. No, no, the. I'm trying to defend of faith. Yes. No, but he wants to add a plural. No, I think the whole point is he wants to be of all faiths, but therefore defender of people of faith rather than uh, necessarily a faith. I think if you say you're the defender of faith, it sounds like you've kind of taken guardianship of some girl at school. Yeah, <laughs> called faith. Yeah, yeah. Called faith. <laughs> rather yeah. than that. Well, the whole phrase is weirdly translated from the Latin anyway, so it's all a bit. Is it? Yes, it was the it was the title given to Henry VIII by the Pope before the famous split between really? Henry VIII and the Pope. He, because of his because of his defence of Catholicism in Europe in yeah. his early part of his reign, yeah. he was given the title defender of, defender of the faith, right. the one true faith. Right. And all monarchs since have kept that title mm-hmm. as a point of, yeah, but not your faith, ours. Because oh, obviously Henry VIII famously created an entirely English faith, faith religion. Oh, oh, sort I of see. technically, but not quite. Right, okay. I just thought we should really explain what that means because this is what somebody has to say at their coronation. Yeah. And that's what it has been discussed in the past that the Prince of Wales, were he to have a coronation, probably not in our lifetime, would be more inclined to say, I will be defender of faith that girl at school it's a very hard thing to say in front of the Archbishop of Canterbury I know <laughs> bold, yeah, bold. delivering your own but we did see uh, Prince Charles out and about this week uh, acting as um, hand holder I guess which is one of the things he did to Her Majesty the Queen as Ooh. she popped to the well, he, Palace of Westminster to open Parliament and he played that role of consort now I, I, someone's going to correct me um, possibly a listener I don't think that's the first time that he has played that role because since the princess, since the Duke of Edinburgh stepped back, he stepped in. So the f- last time the Duke of Edinburgh was there was 2016. Prince Charles has been there um, with the Queen since then. Yeah. I can't remember whether Camilla has always gone, but she was there this week. It was week so pared the- down. Yeah. But it was very strange because normally the state opening of Parliament is so much pomp and so much circumstance. And if you go into Westminster, all of the streets are shut. Horses and, and bearskins and also, the, you know, they've um, sealed all of the manhole covers yeah. and all that kind of thing. And it's really, really exciting. And there's so much pomp and ceremony. And, you know, obviously the, the, the crown comes with her. And it's all incredibly exciting. And normally she has her full robes on, which is incredibly exciting. She hasn't done that for a few years now. 
but just to see it this time because normally there's no there were no there people no there. in the House of Lords. You're normally like crammed in cheek to jowl, and this year there was like five people in there. So there. There were two things that blew my mind about the Queen's speech. Firstly, that the crown is so heavy she hasn't been able to wear it for five years because it would like crush, crush her neck. Crush her neck, yeah, and like putting it on oh, would finish her off. My but the, not that she could be finished off. And the other thing that I didn't know, presumably everyone else does this, is that out of some mad archaic ceremonial thing, when she's in the House of Lords giving the speech, some poor MP is dispatched to Buckingham Palace yeah. where he's held hostage for the duration of the ceremony so that, like, the idea that we're only, the Queen can be released or the Queen must leave Parliament to go back to her house. So this dude, Marcus, went and ate cucumber sandwiches for a couple of it hours. It raises a lot and of questions about how other MPs see that colleague. Because if know. they don't particularly rate him, then... Well, no, no you're I like... think it's quite a special thing. No, no, it, it is must what be I amazing. Mean, but if you think of going to the palace to eat sandwiches, go, can I go yet? I think it's an amazing <laughs> thing. I think it's really lovely. I think the fact that tradition carries on. But if you go back to why it happened, of like to ensure that the the, the, the monarch was returned safely, yeah. well, what happens if they picked an MP they didn't like? Yeah. Like, yeah, you you keep him. You we'll keep, keep him. him. <laughs> yeah, we'll have the queen. <laughs> amazing. We're just so odd with all these flunkies saying, "Would sir like another cup of tea?" Oh yeah, right then. But uh, yeah, crazy. But it's fun. So it's gets, nice. Good old queen. The, the other thing about the queen I want to mention is. I know this will work great in the medium of podcast to talk about a photograph, but um, <laughs> she was she awarded some. There was something about swimming gala or swimming championship. Some swimming It was the life saving, the association of life saving that she'd done eighty years ago. Yeah, but she was fourteen, and she was the yeah. first person to get this kind of swimming life-saving badge and she was saying oh how you know blimey that makes me feel old but this very cute picture of her well, I, say, I, I will put carefully. it on the Instagram feed so people yeah. can see it but she's 14 looking ever so well, like she does now like Prince Charlotte it's just a lovely picture of her expectant little smiley face as a kind of trainee lifeguard back uh, 18 I years thought ago. that cute. little um, interview that she did with the, the life-saving uh, organisation because she's doing all of these visits online mm. a bit like we all are with work and just Still, the pride that you can see in the participants from this organisation. Oh, and she said, they? oh, I can't really remember how old I was. And the guy said, oh, well, you were actually 14 because it was 80 years ago and you were actually the first recipient of this. And, you know, she was like, oh, right, oh, wonderful. And it was just really, really charming. Yeah. And perhaps we're getting to see more charming aspects of those visits because they are being recorded, because they are online. We might not have seen That's true. those. That's true. And yeah, you don't, have known about you don't catch it when it's, in a, when it's in a crowd or a lineup. Yeah. Now it's all online. Yeah, you can hear the words. And it's also captured from posterity as well. Absolutely, but no, it warmed, warmed my heart watching that. Because she, you could also see the pride that she was remembering yeah, of having yeah, yeah. got it. Because she said, oh, it's quite difficult to do. Now, and if people haven't seen the state opening, it's quite interesting to go back, because I thought she looked as always, fabulous, great mm, hat. Mm. But she was wearing what I thought looked like quite an odd brooch. And I was talking about this, about, oh, it was a bit weird looking. And a friend of ours who is a very avid royal watcher mm. said, ah, oh, but that's a brooch given to her for her 18th birthday by her parents and it could be worn in one part or two parts. And so there's obviously sort of, I think it's really nice that she was wearing a piece of jewellery that she's now had all her adult life. Yeah. And there's all these different little bits of meaning that are always in her clothing and jewellery. I think that's it's so always true. fabulous to watch out for. Yes, well, I think that's the impact of Angela Kelly in some ways, the Queen's dresser. Well, yes. Who will know all of these bits and, yeah, the and when to bring them in and thing, each bracelet. And also, she could do that, of course, because she wasn't having to put on a great big ermine gown and, yeah. and, and yeah. crown. So she normally wears quite sort of plain outfits when she does that. But this was actually quite 
a sort of personalised outfit. No, I thought it was... I enjoyed watching it. It felt very strange watching the state opening of Parliament with so few people there. It was very unusual. But also, I couldn't work out Prince Charles, because when he sat down mm. on the, the seat next to the throne, mm. he then fiddled with his feet all the way through. Oh, it was very distracting. It was very weird. <laughs> kept lifting them up like he's got problems with his arches. Kept sort of going from one foot to the other. All right, Maybe James the chiropractor. I'm not sure You yeah. should watch it. He, was, he looked like he was dead bored, didn't he? Well, it's not the most riveting of speeches. No, let's be honest. No. And I worry she has a sniffle. We all need to pray what? for the health of Her Majesty the Queen, because she sniffed a bit. Well, I think we pray for the health and well, well we do, the Queen every day. Every day mm-hmm. but, but, yes. Special prayers. Special tonight. prayers, indeed. Well, no, I very much enjoyed watching that. Uh, more lovely footage of Her Majesty the Queen, please. Uh, it always <laughs> brings immense joy. Um but that brings us, guys, to our favourite section of the show. Your favourite section Which of the is, show. of course, <laughs> Minor Royal of, of the Week. The, week. <laughs> the best section of the show, yes. Now, Sarah, you have the Minor Royal this week, don't I you? I do, I do. And I've picked one of my absolute favourite mm-hmm. Minor Royals Go of on. the week. Right. And that is Mike Tyndall. Ooh. So okay. Mike Tyndall is married to... Zara, who is Princess Anne's daughter. We have actually mentioned them on the podcast uh, before. Because he's also a big avid podcaster. He is an avid podcaster, but they had a little baby in their bathroom at home a few oh, weeks yes, ago. That was the little baby Luke- Lucas, the youngest great grandchild of the Queen at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mike Tyndall met Zara in about 2003 when he was in the winning England rugby squad in Australia, but he was dropped for one game. So instead of, you know, going to the hotel and crying, he went out on the lash and he was at a bar in Manly in Sydney. <laughs> really? And he bumped into Zara, who was there with her friends. And she was on a girly holiday. She'd gone to watch the rugby. Watch rugby. Gone to watch the rugby. Oh, see. Right, okay. And uh, the, apparently there was a group of rugby lads who, whenever they were travelling back from a game, would always stop at this pub in Gloucestershire that was close to where Zara lived. So she knew some of these rugby lads. Mm. So they were like, hello, let's drink together, blah, 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 blah. And then she got his phone number and then they were texting and they became friends. I love a romantic story. And then they fell in love. So they've been together for nearly 20 years. And they are quite... I mean, one hopes and one can tell from the sort of public appearances we get, they feel like a very solid couple. I think they're a really solid couple. Yesterday, I spent a long time watching YouTube videos of them, which was an excellent use of my work. I have a feeling she has properly researched this. (laughs) 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 Well, let's hear some fascinating facts about Mike Tyndall. So the thing that I most like about Mike and Zara Tyndall is they are both professional sports people. Mm -hmm. So Mike obviously was an international rugby star and then played uh, at a national level, also in the UK professionally. And Zara is a professional horse person. An Olympian. An Olympian, a silver medal winning Olympian. And because of the types of sports that they do, their seasons don't contradict each other. So therefore they've always been able to support each other and looking after the children by the fact that when rugby's on, she's supporting him. When um, horses is on, what, what would equestrian? What, equestrian. When, when equestrian is the equestrian events. season? Well, I imagine the summer. <laughs> yeah, the horses. Yeah, the horses. Then <laughs> she's supporting. So there was this lovely podcast that I watched uh, that was on YouTube that I watched yesterday of them which I'd have to admit I have actually watched before. It was a rewatch uh, for me. And just kind of saying, oh, no, it's really good as when Zara is competing. It means that I can... They must have only just had Mia, their eldest child, then. I can look after Mia, and it means that Zara can really focus on what it is that she needs to do. And I just like the fact that they're this, this really, really committed couple to each other 
and want to raise each other up. And whenever you see them like in a public environment or being interviewed, because they've done things like uh, Top Gear, you know the well, show oh, yeah, Top Gear. Yeah, yeah. Do you two know that show? Yeah. Um, which is a car show, and they you do like a fast lap in a really rubbish car, mm. and they did that together. And when they're sat, kind of being interviewed, they're like holding each other's hands and going oh, nice. In the, I just think they strike me as the type of couple that you would want to go out for dinner with, mm. that you would trust wholeheartedly, and you'd think it would be really good fun. And the, there's clearly a very strong friendship between the Cambridges and the Tyndalls, mm. because their kids are quite um, of a similar age, but also Prince William and Zara have always been incredibly close. Zara is actually um, Prince George's godmother, but you often see them at social events, and there's this wonderful picture that has never actually been in any newspapers, because it was taken by somebody who shouldn't have been taking photographs of them, but I've seen it on the internet. We won't be putting it on our social media, because I don't think it's right to put pictures that they don't want out there. But you've got, like, Prince George on... Um, Mike Tyndall's shoulders and then you've got little Mia on Prince William's shoulders Do you know, and they're so just cute. super cute family involved with each other and it just warms my heart and Mike Tyndall does do this rugby podcast called The Good, The Bad and The Rugby where occasionally he will like so he mentioned the fact that they'd had the baby on there and the fact that they were having a baby on there and then it'll always end up in the news so he likes to sprinkle things but he was on that one Christmas episode and the other people on the podcast were asking him about what's it like to spend Christmas with the royal family. And he shared this really intimate story about how when the Queen wasn't well one year and he, he and Zara had just suffered a miscarriage, the three of them were together on Christmas morning when everyone else had gone off to church and they just prayed together and had these really special moments. So he shares really interesting, nice things about the royal family, but he's also incredibly discreet and just does his own thing. Mm-hmm. So he is absolutely one of my favourite. Yeah, thoroughly animals. good bloke. And not only a sporting celeb, a minor royal. A minor royal, excellent. yes. <clears throat> excellent. Good. A good well egg done. all round. Okay, so. excellent. I can see why you love him. Yeah, I do actually. How old is he? Oh, probably like 42 or something. Yeah, apparently young like, man. Yeah. And Zara will be 40. Crumbs, is Zara 40 this year? <gasps> No, a, next year. It could be in your Rolodex, you can correct us Well, later. It, it, you know, it's actually on my spreadsheet that I've got of royal birthdays, but you know, we'll look at that. <laughs> in the shrine room <laughs> next door. Yeah. Well, guys, we've got um, some letters, obviously, because people have slid into our DMs. Excellent. And I've had a, a, a DM from someone saying that a friend of theirs, and when they say a friend of theirs, I think they actually mean a friend of a friend. I don't yeah. Know happens to play at a tennis club in Los Angeles that Prince Harry and Meghan are also involved in. Again, I don't know whether they're members or what. But anyway, they ended up going back to Meghan and Harry's house. And they said there was a special guest toilet only to be used by guests. And the reader asks, is this normal? Should she now install a toilet in her house that is purely just for guests? Wow, I mean, so it's a very got, specific question. I mean, if you've got a lot of bathrooms, then why not have? I one mean, just I'd for have guests? to admit, listeners, that um, when I have the boys over for a podcast, I don't allow them to use the bathroom here. I send them out onto the street, and what they get up to is up to well, them. That makes it sound awful, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I make them use the pub toilet across the road because you know it is it is right. So she has a guest loo. Yeah, you, by default, your guest loo is the pub loo across Basically, the way. Basically, yeah, because mm. you know I don't want you to. I quite like the idea of it. But yeah. hasn't there been a lot of reporting about the house that they've bought and the sheer number of... Yeah, yeah, it's massive, palatial. 
Um, I don't think it's unusual to have a guest loo. That's what people's downstairs loos are for, is it not? Well, the downstairs loo is sort of the guest loo, isn't it? I suppose those of us living in London flats don't have that luxury. But if you have a downstairs loo... You would put your nicer hand soap in the downstairs loo. Would you put the nicer stuff No, the nicer stuff. Do you think so? People will use it and they will go, oh, these people have nice soap. Well, your guest loo would have a nicer soap than your real loo. No, no, probably the same soap. No, it would have not literally soap. the same bar of soap. You don't move <laughs> it between the loops. <laughs> Can you imagine? So how does this conversation become so complicated? Because no, it's interesting. What colour towels would you put the in the nicest towels? But what colour? I bet. No, oh, I do you think they have monogram towels that are given as a wedding present? No, I, I bet don't. They have monogram no. towels. They're just a monogram They're type, aren't they? Yeah. With the crest in it. Oh, oh God, God that's that'd be an so awful vulgar. That yeah. makes me actually want to be sick of it. They have the Archwell logo and like a H intertwined with an M. <laughs> on the towels <laughs> and the soap will be imported from Britain but it'll be vegan soap or made by some worthy cause definitely very worthy cause yeah vegan dairy free <laughs> actually is all soap not vegan I don't know how you make soap if I'm honest fat oh we not watch Fight Club Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're going what off track. <laughs> so what, what I suggest We've covered is, a lot of things yeah, in that very short segment. Build, build an extension to your house uh, or just give up your living room and turn it into a guest bathroom. It yeah. seems the only sensible thing they to do. They can go amongst the rescue I love that. I love that whole thing. They have a whole, whole bathroom for guests. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. They've got like 17 bathrooms. Of course there's one for guests. I would quite like They'll to have, have one each. I Maybe they'll have tiered ones. A nice one for oh oh. some Special one for Oprah. Special ones for Oprah. I bet Oprah's got a Because you Irish know, when I worked at the Opera House, there was mm. a special loo just for the Queen. Really? Yeah. Oh, in the, the, uh, in the royal box. Yeah. I bet you. I bet you got the key and hung out there loads. I think people have used it, but like basically, it is meant to be just for the Queen. That's a very interesting fact, isn't it? Well, there because mm. a lot. Of, okay, I think that's quite standard. Actually, we could do an entire episode on how royal toilets. Do royal toilets. We should come back to royal toilets. I like that. It's a good subject. Well, listeners, I'm pleased that we're finishing <laughs> on such a high this week. We can keep making jokes about the throne room. Ah, uh, bum Well, look. As ever, our DMs are open, so please do slide into them. We are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, we are on TikTok, we are on Instagram. We are at Windsor Watch Pod. Do like the and subscribe and subscribe, rate, review, and subscribe. That's what I was trying to say. And do tune in next week as we will be back with more royal news here at the Windsor Watch Podcast. Do take care. Toodle pip. Bye. Bye. Bye.